0: Hello and welcome to UC Today. I'm Senior Editor Tom Wright and in this video we're going to be talking about the challenges of migrating voice to Microsoft Teams. And I'd like to quickly start by asking our panelists to, to introduce themselves. So, uh, Kevin, perhaps we'll start with you.
1: Yes, well, it's good to be here. My name is Kevin Keeler. I'm the co-founder of Enable UC. and My team and I really help organizations get the most out of the Microsoft ecosystem. Much of that work revolves around helping them use Microsoft Teams effectively.
2: Uh, Thanks, Kevin. And I'll go next. Hi, it's Tim Jalland. I work as a solution manager for Voss uh, Solutions and I work globally with our partners and our customers with regard to solution designs as they're deploying in their networks. Uh, if I just pl- plug Voss uh, a little for a minute, um, our remit really is working with our customers and partners to help them build, operate and run use uh, voice and collaboration networks. And I'm hoping we can share some of the uh, feedback off some of those projects with our audience today.
0: Yeah, sounds good. And uh, Kevin, I think a good place to start would be to set the scene. We've all seen the amazing growth of Microsoft Teams over the past couple of years. There's always something new coming out, something new going on. So tell us where we are in the market right now.
1: Yeah, that is a good place to start. Um, So you know, Microsoft has reported there's 270 million monthly active users of Teams. They reported that a little while ago, so maybe there's you know a few more now. Um, Of those, you know, 80 million. Um, users use some form our uh, phone users so they make calls with with teams but a whole bunch of those calls are you know voice over IP calls so they don't involve uh, the PSTN and and really when you look at it a small percentage of this 270 million monthly active users is really using teams right now as their primary voice system meaning, you know, having connected it to the PSTN, the public switch telephone network, to both place and receive calls. Um, and I think, you know, one of the reasons is while it's really easy um, to add PSTN calling to Teams, and Microsoft likes to demo it and, you know, in a minute or two you can do that, you um, that's easy, you know, in kind of a green field, but the real world is a lot messier and migrating. So especially, you know, as, as large organizations to go from where they are, um, you know, to teams, that's a lot more complicated. And so I think we're seeing um, organizations want to do that. There's some incredible benefits, especially for hybrid work to add voice to teams but it's not as easy as, you know, the demo would have you believe.
0: Yeah, and as you said, it's quite complex, and businesses actually have quite a few choices now in how to go about plugging voice into Teams, and different different ways of that will be better for different businesses. So try and talk us through some of the um, the problems they might encounter and how they can go around starting with that right choice.
1: Yeah, so, so you're absolutely right. Um, there's an increasing number of choices in terms of, you know, whether you use Microsoft calling plans or direct routing as a service, which has been, you know, probably the, the most, well, definitely the most popular 70, 80% of organizations using that. And now there's, you know, new operator connect, which is another option. But I think one of the key problems with migration that people perhaps underestimate until they start is really having the organization do the discovery, figure out, you know, what is their current voice environment look like? Who's using what? You know, the different call cues, boss admin, a lot of organizations that have built um, legacy telephony have all these distributed systems. And as organizations get larger, they're often from different vendors. They've been in place, you know, for tens of years and they've you know they've changed and so really figuring out your starting place um that's one of the most complicated Mm. things and and i and i know tim you know you and i we were talking about some real world examples that voss has encountered in terms of doing that discovery maybe maybe you could share that with the audience
2: Uh, i can do um Kevin, yeah. Let me just talk a little around uh, the, the customer we were talking about. So this is a, a multinational insurance company, uh, global reach. Uh, they've got a lot of users on their existing telephony platform, cross regions, cross countries, and they're starting on this phase migration. But the question is, just where are they starting from, and what services and features, and all that stuff? Uh, you know, just what is that, and how do I phase and migrate and plan for that onto Teams? So we work, what we did in this case was we put some. Uh, Voss tooling, in there, we've got some quite nice tooling and it automates all the capture of the existing configuration set setup out of that existing telephony platform, runs an analysis on that. And they really use that then to uh, really drive their planning and budgeting process. And it helped them rationalise their costs. They knew exactly what they wanted to migrate across. But it also uh, helped them understand what they could leave behind, what wasn't in use, what was legacy and sort of could be retired. Uh, so they went through that process, uh, planning and budgeting. Uh, quite, quite interestingly, they also pulled that into a set of nice graphs and reporting for the s- stakeholder side of their business. And uh, they really ran their migration project and the phasing of that. So we put you know, new cut of data every time we ran through a phase. And the outcome was, you know, very accurate, timely migrations and with a, not a lot of um, post-migration support issues, which is what a lot of organisations often run into. Um, So, yeah, really valuable part of the process that was to do the discovery with them, really at the start of each phase of their migration.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, I think the thing is, is if you can automate that discovery that, you know, to your point, Tom, that means you've got the data to make the right choice in terms of like what is the right mechanism um, from a financial or capabilities perspective, as you, you, you try to figure out, okay, how are we going to add voice to, to team? So, you know, and without automating it, I mean, it ends up being, you know, in the past, we've, we've, you know, put together, I don't know, the 15, 20 page questionnaire that you send out to somebody at the room to answer these questions. And so, um, if you can, you know, use a tool, to be able to automate that that definitely speeds the process and and um and that's one of the you know one of the important things is just how long are you going to live in this interim state
0: yeah and as you both said the discovery is often incredibly important but it's easy to have these conversations and talk about the beginning the choice and the end where they want to get to and Not talk about that really important part in the middle, which is the actual migration. So, uh, Kevin, could you talk us through some of the obstacles that businesses might face on the actual migration and how they can best prepare themselves for, for as little, um, disruption as possible? Yeah,
1: that, that's a good, you know, and I talked about not wanting to spend a lot of time in that interim state. And if you think about it and in a lot of organizations, as you rightly point out, Tom, they of course think about where they are. And of course, then they make a pitch to where they want to go and. The, the thing is, is there's going to be this day when you're in the midpoint. And if you think about a larger organization, that means you have 50% of the people on the old system and 50% of the people on the new system. And that could be thousands of people on both, or even in some of these multinational cases that, that we work with, you know, tens of thousands of people. And on that day, somebody, you know, has to support both systems. There's probably people that are being onboarded and offboarded on both systems because, you know, with different scenarios like boss admin and call control, like offices that are on the old system, when new people join that office, you have to put them on the new system. So, you know, giving consideration to this midpoint to, you know, how are you going to scale up the teams and your tooling on this most complicated day when you're at this 50-50. Um, is critically important because, you know, what I like to say is, like, if you don't get past the midpoint, you don't get to the end, right? You made the business case based on getting to the end, but you got to go through this, you know, this this very challenging day. Sometimes I have a slide that has a two fish bowls and the fish between the bowls, and, you know, that's the fish isn't really too happy, right? So, um, I, I and I know that, you know, one of the ways to do it is to use automation, right? Because to do it manual just means you're this, you know, you're living this half, you know, wave interim state for longer than probably the organization wants. Because let's face it, no, you know, no large organization can do some flash cut. This isn't going to be an overnight or over weekend thing. So, so you know, I mean, Tim, I, I know we wanted to, you know, have real world examples. So, once again, maybe over to you to talk about some real-world examples how the tools can kind of speed you through this period.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about that, and I'll maybe talk a little about best practice on this topic. Um, you know, we've been in organisations and they're at this midpoint. You're fully committed. You've got services on both platform and uh, you're trying to navigate through that and we've seen coming to organizations with projects and they've had a lot of this running on large spreadsheets and we are talking a lot of data if you think of a reasonable user population and that existing voice configuration sort of running on both sides it gets complex it's a big spreadsheet if it's inside there and you're typically using highly skilled you know technical people to try and keep a grip around this so uh, in terms of best practice uh, you know what we'd suggest and what we Put in the projects when we're running migration projects like this is we put tooling in, and the goal really is to provide an intuitive uh, view where you can look across the users and the services and the configuration across the whole estate and that's including both um services where you're coming from and where you're going to on the Microsoft team side from quite a nice view and you can take that out into uh, business as usual with your service desk and where they're managing onboarding and offboarding and the like and you can take that out into your stakeholder reporting so that's what we put in it's all about one view making it intuitive and, and, and keeping a good handle with a foot in both camps so you manage those services live as you're going through this midpoint and through through this transition, and uh, just in terms of some outcomes on that, might be interesting to share. Uh, it, it 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 keeps a good control around the round the whole project. You know, typically we would look to take fifty percent out of the runtime on a migration project. You know, with a good control panel around this, and um, that control panel and that view in there, it also keeps an accuracy on the project. So again, you get a lot less post-migration support issues uh, on here, you know, as people migrate across the new platform, the niggles and the issues, it's, it's really cut down and that really drives user experience, you know, and, a, and just a good adoption on, on the other side. So, uh, saying on this best practices, you're only as good as your control panel on these migrations, you know, and that's what re- we, we, we really recommend, you know, on, on any size, you know, reasonable size migration going through this midpoint.
0: Okay, and let's finish by talking about that end point, that end goal. And hopefully everyone watching listens to your answers in the last question and has a relatively stress-free migration. <laughs> but what's the real value they get of completing that migration and getting their voice into Teams?
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, the things we talked about, it's not meant to kind of scare people away from doing this because I think, you know, one of these key benefits, especially as we look at this hybrid work, like adding voice to teams, which you're probably, if you're listening to this, you're already using for collaboration. It really helps, you know, enable hybrid work because now your voice system, whether you're remote or traveling or in the office, um, from a user experience perspective, the voice system, you only learn at once as opposed to you go into an office and you have a different voice system. So, Definitely user experience benefits specifically for hybrid work scenarios. Um, But also, you know, some real opportunities for cost savings, right? Because, you know, you're consolidating um, cost savings from, you know, just the administration overhead goes down because you have a single system and it's consolidated, Um, so so definitely there, simplification, yes, from the user experience perspective, but also from, you know, the IT admin perspective. You have, you know, a single pane of glass, and you may, you know, some organizations, um, you know, they may for some reason decide certain clusters of users may stay on a different system other than Teams, and that's okay as long as, you know, you get to, it could be 100% migrated. For some organizations, that makes sense, but not for all. Or it could be, you know, you got 90% on Teams Voice and maybe 10% or some other, you know, percentage. So, you, you know, you have a simplification. Um, as long as you have that single view, definitely an increase of productivity because, you know, users basically work the same way. So, you know, we've seen a measurable increase in business outcomes once they know how to use, you know, all the capacity of teams. It's well integrated and so they can stay in the flow of work more. And, you know, I think um, that analytics piece is really important because I'm a super fan of analytics um, and, you know, moving to the Microsoft platform, Microsoft has always done a really good job around the analytics. So if you have tools that can kind of pull that out of the office graph, graph, you get these behavioral and some sentiment analysis analytics. And you can really use that as a compass to say, hey, are we going in the right direction? And also as a ruler to say, okay, is this working? And, you know, in areas where it's not, it really gives the IT admins, the IT pros, IT leadership, this compass and ruler to be able to figure out um, and refine, you know, the the overall platform. So some great benefits. um, Yeah, you know, pick the right tools to get there. But definitely when you get there, Um, some real world, uh, you know, benefits for sure. Now, now, Tim, I mean, are there some specific customer use cases you want to call out in that regard?
2: Uh, yeah. Let me just finish up uh, on a couple of topics. Um, so as you say, Kevin, organization, moving to cloud teams, you know, new service, uh, getting benefits out of that. And I think on the projects we've worked on, that you know, get a good migration and get users across there. The, the feedback's really positive. You know, they really enjoy the out of the office, back in the office, same tool set type experience. Uh, but the the problem sort of moves a little back into the IT organisation, and again it can be you know a simpler, better experience in that environment as well. But they need a tool, you know, the better tool set for that, and that's really where we focus post migration, really trying to get the service management around these networks into business as usual, so you can drive these through your normal business processes and off the service desk, simple, straightforward, take some cost out. It is around simplification and automation, and that's where we focus. Uh, the actual management of Microsoft Teams, once you get into the detail on that, some of you can do that through the Teams admin console or portal, uh, but a good proportion of that sort of runs back into some of the more complex PowerShell scripting and things like that. So uh, what we aim to do and where we work with customers post-migration is around really taking that complexity out and putting that into intuitive workflows that they can then trigger and initiate off the, work, off the service desk. So it's just a simpler, better administration experience for them. And once they've got through that first step, we then look to work with them. So they delegate that out around the departmental heads and managers around their organisation. So there's a level of self-service there close to where users and where the, where the need is. And over time, they start to build that into their service catalog. So it becomes part of their business processes. It's simple, quick, straightforward, you know, simplifies the administration. And at the same time, you know, just helps them run a run a good service out for their user base. So you know, that's where we focus post-migration is around that simplification and automation of the service management of the uh, estate as a whole.
0: Okay, well, I think that's a, that's a really nice place to leave things. It's been great talking to you both and really interested to talk about that actual migration as well. So, thank you both for joining us. Okay, thank, thank you. you. And thank you, everyone, for watching. If you enjoyed this video, please give us a like and a share on social media, and we'll see you next time.